0: I've decided to use my notes today because I'm supposed to give a homily. The word means shorter sermon. <laughs> so we can get to the, to the food. I want to read one verse from the book of Acts, chapter two and verse 42. It starts with the word they, that's referring to the early church, the new Christians. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to, and to prayer. During these 40 days of praying, we've been using Sundays to think through uh, what we're calling the essentials of the church, the distinguishing characteristics or the distinguishing marks Uh, that are supposed to be true of any New Testament congregation of believers. Here we're told uh, in the verse just read that the early believers were devoted to the apostles teaching which we now have in our Bible. They were devoted to prayer and to communion. Later in the paragraph, uh, they uh, were devoted to worship and to witness. And all of those essentials we have already considered. But today we want to think about um, fellowship. The uh, pastoral staff thought that fellowship would be a very good topic for this particular homily on this particular Sunday because in one sense, at at the most basic level, As we share a meal together, as these people in Acts 2 did from house to house, uh, they also fellowshiped in the Lord and with each other. Fellowship is more than that kind of thing, but it does include that kind of reality. And the verse says they were devoted to um, the fellowship. Uh, And that word devoted means something that is a priority in your life something that you give a lot of time to. And when it comes to the Word of God, to prayer and to worship and to witness and to fellowship, we are to give plenty of time to these essentials, to to prayerfully seek to cultivate these realities in our life together as a congregation. And so today we want to think about and we want to look at this whole idea of, of fellowship. And I'd like to answer a couple of questions. The first and most obvious needs to be, uh, what uh, is Christian fellowship? Uh, It it comes from a Greek word that you've actually probably heard uh, a great deal about. It's the word koinonia. It's it's a word that simply means to have in common, uh, to participate in common, to hold in common, uh, another word that is often used is, is your life mingled together with other believers. Fellowship is to share common beliefs and common practices and common experiences. We are to share a common life together of both giving to each other and receiving from each other. In her book, Up With Worship, uh, Ann Ortland. uh talks about a kind of fellowship that is not really fellowship and a kind of fellowship that is a really good picture of what it ought to look like. She asked her readers to imagine for a moment a, a, a bag of marbles. And you know, you look in a bag of marbles, uh, they click and they clatter, uh, they glitter, they scratch each other, but they don't mingle. They just rub up against each other. And there's that sort of idea of calling that fellowship, but it, it really isn't. On the other hand, she says, uh, imagine a bag of grapes. And you take the bag, and you really shake it up. And it begins to, to drip. You look in it, it, it looks like a bit of a mess. But those grapes are mingling They really are close together. They're bleeding into each other's lives, you might say. And that's a a, a pretty good picture of what fellowship is. We we, we blend together. We share in common. We we wonderfully bleed into each other's lives. That's what fellowship is. It is to share in common. Second question we need to answer is, what do Christians actually share in common? Well, one simple way to answer that question is to say, we share in common everything that God has ever done for us and everything that God continues to do for us. We share in common everything that God has said uh, to us and everything he continues to say to us through his word. You can create something of a list if if you want to. Uh, We believe the same gospel, we embrace the same salvation, We love the same Lord Jesus Christ. We're filled with the same Holy Spirit. We cultivate the same fruit of the Spirit. We meditate daily in the same Holy Scriptures. We belong to the same spiritual family, the the church. We are citizens of the same eternal heaven, and we make it our purpose to pursue the same chief end, which is to live for the glory of God, to please Him in every possible way, to strive to be his godly children living in this world. We share all these sorts of things in common. But if you really want to be specific about it and dig a little bit deeper, let's think about some of the things that we share in common uh, and, and put some real thought into it. Here is the first thing. We share salvation in common. Listen to Titus chapter 1, verse 4. To Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ our Lord. It is a common faith. It is a shared faith. We are saved by God utterly and wonderfully. And everything that God has ever done to save any one of us, he has done to save all of us. They're not different kinds of salvation. We believe the same Christ, crucified and risen for us. And so our salvation is a shared salvation. Think of Jude 3. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted. To god's holy people my initial burden was to write to you about our common salvation it could be easily translated that way our the salvation we share that we share in common but he was stopped in his tracks by the holy spirit and urged to write about how to contend for the faith instead so our salvation uh, we have in common saved by the same gospel by the same Lord who purchased forgiveness for us. Secondly, we have God the Holy Spirit in common and God the Son in common and God the Father in common. In other words, we have God the Holy Trinity in shared experience. Let me read for you 1 John 1 verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Our salvation is not just a salvation whereby we are forgiven and go to heaven someday, which is gloriously true, but in the meantime, we have a shared relationship with God triune. We really do believe that there is only one God, and that one God exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they are co-equal and co-eternal and co-glorious. And we have fellowship with the Father and with the Son. But what about the Holy Spirit? In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, that wonderful, wonderful benediction, may the grace of Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You see, fellowship with God should be an intimate fellowship, a common fellowship of enjoying who God is and what his character is like in our lives. So that's the second thing we share in common. But as we move to the horizontal level, we have loving each other and living for each other in common. One of the best ways to point out what uh, fellowship actually looks like is to consider what are called the reciprocal commandments in the New Testament scriptures. There's about 30 of them, Uh, those one another commands. And if you think about them, you can break them down into a, a negative list of one another commands and a positive list of reciprocal commands. Let me just read it to you. Negative reciprocal commands include, do not judge one another. Do not envy one another. Do not speak evil against one another. Do not lie to one another. Do not grumble against one another. Do not provoke one another to anger. All these are terrible sins. And one of the consequences of committing these kinds of sins like judging, envying, speaking evil against, grumbling, lying, and such, all of those sins destroy fellowship. They don't just hinder fellowship, they they wipe it out completely. Now if you go to the negative, from the negative to the positive, it says be kind and tenderhearted to each other. Pray for one another. Bear one another's burdens. Encourage and exhort one another. Comfort one another. And then there is that one that says, where Jesus says, wash one another's feet. Just after he has performed that lowly task to his disciples. You too wash one another's feet. It's a way of saying, one of the great means of fellowship is humbly serving each other. And then from... 2 Peter chapter 2, he says to us, love one another sincerely and from the heart. Love one another uh, without hypocrisy, with sincerity, and from the depths of your being, from your heart. There is a list of virtues that define fellowship rather impressively in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Follow along with me. perfect unity, perfect fellowship, you see. So when we dress up in these virtues, when we put on these qualities, these graces, these characteristics, far from damaging fellowship, it creates a robust and joyous shared life together. Well, there's one more. We have the same mission from God In common. At the end of Mark's gospel, he gives the Great Commission in a single sentence. It reads, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. You see, when we enjoy true fellowship, that fellowship does not exist to turn us into an isolated commune. Our fellowship is first looking up to God, and fellowshipping with him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then it's looking inside the church to love and to care for, to exhort and to encourage one another. But that fellowship must look out to the world as well. One place where we see this is how the apostle, writing to the Philippian church, says that he enjoys their partnership in the gospel. And that partnership is a partnership of getting the gospel to all the places that Paul is going, and they are supporting him. Let me read the verse for you. Philippians 1, verses 3 through 5. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Why is he so excited about the Philippian believers? Why does he care so much? Well, For this reason, because, he says, of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, you're so faithful in supporting the spread and progress of the gospel. This is very much on the heart of Jesus, by the way. In the 17th chapter of John's gospel, it's just a few hours before Jesus is arrested and eventually uh, crucified. And he's alone and he's praying. And he prays for you and me. It's very clear in the text. But what does he pray for, and why does he pray? Well, follow along with me in John 17, verses 20 and 21. My prayer is not for them alone, that is, the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And those people are you and me, if we put our faith in Christ for salvation. But why? That all of them may be one, united, a common life, a shared life. Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you. Isn't that an astonishing thing? He wants us to have a fellowship, a shared life together that resembles the unity that exists between the Father and the Son. And then he says, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You see, the world is never going to believe a message that originates from a people who don't like each other, who live divisive lives, who are gossiping all the time. They're never going to listen to that. All, oh, but if they see unity, a shared life together, then the world will look and believe that Jesus was sent by the Father to be the Savior. It's a remarkable petition that Jesus prayed. So with that in mind, I'd like to close with two very short applications. The first one is this. All Christians need fellowship with God. And the way we cultivate that fellowship with God is by means of his word. We go to his word. We see what the scriptures teach us about God and Christ and the Holy Spirit. And we pray and we seek the Lord to help us to know Uh, intimacy with him, to enjoy him in our lives, uh, to have fellowship with him. And secondly, all Christians need fellowship with each other. No believer is spiritually self-sufficient. God has so wired our experience of salvation and and so desires to build his church around people who love each other, who care for each other, who never gossip about each other, who never provoke each other to anger, but who love sincerely and from the heart. And we desperately need that kind of loving fellowship in our relationships together here in this church. Uh, Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are So glorious and so gracious to us, and we thank you. Uh, It is an astonishing thing just to read in the Bible that we can have fellowship with the Trinity, that we can know you, but not just know about you, that we can truly know you. And in knowing you, we can come closer to you. We can, as the psalmist say, enjoy you. Enjoy the, the, the sweetness of your presence, the, the, the wisdom of your truth, uh, the graciousness of your heart toward us in salvation. We can know your faithfulness in keeping all your promises to us. We hear Hosea saying, so let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord to increase in our knowledge of you and our communion with you, our fellowship with you. And Father, these one another commands just get right to the heart of things we hardly even need. And we know when we do it. We know what grumbling is and we know when we do it. We know what lying is and we know when we do it. And on and on it goes. Lord, for these disruptive sins uh, in my own life and in all of our lives, forgive us. Help us to know that uh, these kinds of things can really uh, harm our fellowship with you and with each other instead, Lord, make us a people who love sincerely and from the heart, a people who are quick to forgive rather than nurse grievances. Make us a people who encourage and exhort one another daily. Help us to be a people who humbly serve, who wisely listen and speak. Help us, Lord, to be a people who care for each other, who share with each other, and who rejoice with each other. We thank you and praise you for such redeeming love. In Christ's name we pray.